You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 194, covering The Muse and For the Cause, with Gav Brown. Friends, it's us again, and Gav's here. I was starting to think you weren't going to be here this season, Gav, but... uh... You showed us. Yeah. I've always been here. Have you? Yes. Just perched over our desk like so much Eddington. (laughs) Just like Eddington. Always just just off screen. Yep. And watching. The same hairstyle. More or less, yeah. (laughs) Um, You pull it off better. I'm going to throw that out there right now. You you also have the same hairstyle as the muse in the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I can can also steal people's dandruff. Oh, very nice. This raises the question of why would you, but... Uh... Yeah, for some reason. <laughs> that that seems like one of those creatures of myth that come in the night and steal your something. <laughs> Only they were out of all the good stuff, a, so I don't know. Dun- you must be sure to close your window. A dandruff fairy. Or the fairy. muse will come in and eat your dandruff. All why right. is that a bad thing, Grandma? Yeah, good, then I won't have dandruff anymore. I'm so glad you come visit me in the crazy old person's home. <laughs> well, that's where you live. <laughs> this is why we write audio comedy, because we're so good at setting a scene. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Boy, I sure am this guy, and I live here. Yep. Isn't it great that, that this is happening in this setting? <laughs> Well, here I am, 1940s era Vincent Price, on my way somewhere. They did that in the in the recent series of Mitchell and Webb, where they said, uh, "Well, I'm, I'd like to welcome you all here to this whatever it was." I, I'm just repeating myself in case this is a sketch. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did like that. <laughs> all right. Well, now I need to tell you about the episode called "The Muse," which is about 50% a good episode. As if that whole mess with Kira a few weeks ago wasn't enough, Odo is suddenly forced to deal with the other confounding female influence in his life. Yes, it's Luxana Troy, and this time she's pregnant and on the run from her husband, who comes from a culture that treats wives as property and will take her male child away from her because of the patriarchy. Since this isn't a caste system, presumably the Federation is A-OK with it. So Odo participates in a sham marriage to get the current Mr. Troy, who's actually Mr. Freeze, off her back and out of her womb. And there he reveals that he may actually really have feelings for her. This, like all the scenes between Odo and Loxana, is a nice mix of funny and legitimately sweet, so never mind that! Also, things are happening to Jake! Stupid, terrible things! He's been spending time with a lady who I guess is supposed to be sexy, but the George Costanza hairline just doesn't do anything for me on women. She encourages Jake to write and sucks out the precious magic head juice that our brains produce when we create things. No, we've neither accidentally been watching Voyager, nor have we been reading the masturbatory fantasies of a particularly self-important writer. This is an actual plot line in a DS9 episode. The woman claims to have inspired many of the greats through history, including alien name, alien name, and recognizable earth name. Except, oh no, one of the writers disobeyed Rick Berman's standing orders to keep that dialogue cliche going, so there are two human names in there. The horror! Anyway... Jake doesn't die and the creepy balding lady escapes, presumably to terrorize Harry Kim next, because honestly, it really does feel like this garbage idea would be a better fit on that garbage show that is made of garbage. Have I mentioned we start reviewing Voyager in less than a year? Hooray! You're on your own with that one. Oh no, oh no, 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 no. 
I was like, I already reviewed all of them. You can't bring me back. That's the thing. Just, You've already put in the work. All you have to do is show up and make jokes with us. <laughs> just, uh, I'll, I'll give you what I said, and you can just put on an Irish accent. It'll be fine. <laughs> oh, well, we've proven we're great at those. <laughs> oh, yeah, incredible. Hey, you're no, you're no worse than uh, Voyager. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's right. The whole space Irish thing like doesn't happen at all in, uh, in DS9, unless you count O'Brien Must Suffer. Yep. Yes. And then it comes back in like with a vengeance in uh, Voyager. Vengeance. Uh, so yeah, there's two plots going on here. One of them is very good. Mm-hmm. One, of them, One is of them is something else entirely. Really not. Gav, let's start with you. What was your good thing? Uh, my good thing. Uh, well, as boring as the main storyline is. Um, and you picked the other good things about the, the good storyline. Um, I think I, I thought Meg Foster as uh, the muse, I can't remember her name, is uh, pretty good as the, as the writer groupie. I thought she brought a nice sultriness to the role, but then what do you expect from movie Evil Lynn? Is she movie Evil Lynn? She is movie Evil Lynn. The person with the best bad guy name ever? I don't know, man. Fistor. Was it Fistor? Fisto, when he Fisto. was a good guy. Right. Oh, all right. Well, fine. He was a good guy? Yes, he was. Okay, then Clawful. There you go. <laughs> Awful Clawful. Who, for the longest time, I thought was named Lobster. <laughs> or Too, too Bad. T-W-O Bad. Now, there, there were plenty of terrible... Uh, or Many Faces. Many Faces, of course. That's the one I was trying <laughs> to <think. laughs> So you, you actually liked her, huh? Yeah, I thought I, she was all right, was, yeah. I was pretty indifferent. Matt really didn't like her. No, I did not. <laughs> I didn't like her so much she was my bad thing. Indeed. Well, not, was it the character or the actor? Both. Okay. I didn't think she did a very good job of playing a character that I didn't like very much. Okay. Her well, look's bad. She's got a. She's supposed to be all sexy alien woman, but all I can think is giant forehead, weird nose. <laughs> her voice is bad. Like, every time she was talking, oh, Jake... I'm unlocking the writer inside of you as I suck whatever the hell out of your forehead. As I suck. As I, uh, as I sit in my room full of towels. <laughs> Just everything about her is stupid and boring and I hate her. Like, you're putting her... Like, the other primary woman in this episode is fucking Loxwana Troy, who is the most dynamic, outgoing woman on this show. And you put her up against this thing, who's just like... Uh, do you think Obviously if she was there's some disagreement between the two of you? <laughs> if she, if it, if it was in a different uh, show with a with a slightly worse you know other plot, would would uh, you've had a as much of a problem? No, I really didn't like. Just I mean, part of the fact is that every time she was on the screen, it was her and Jake being boring, and the person I like in that scene wasn't saying much; he was just writing. But like, just everything about her just grates on me. Huh. See, I was pretty I, indifferent to her. I didn't love her, but I didn't hate her. But it's just one of those things where every time she's on, shut up, shut up. <laughs> oh, I can taste the creativity coming the out of the brain. She talks check. about the, what she's doing. She's she's sucking out the creative essence or whatever the crap, and she says it's like your Earth chakras. Oh well, thanks for making it. Thanks for grounding this with real science. <laughs> what she should have now done, she should have said it's like two alien things and your Earth chakras. <laughs> The thing I said in my summary is entirely true, by the way. Rick Berman has a standing order that if you list things, two two of them have to be unrecognizable alien things, and the third has to be a, a an Earth thing. It's it's kind of it's probably his fault as well with the, with the uh, uh, name of the planet and name of an, a uh, Earth animal. 
oh yeah, I'm I'm hungrier than a Danubrian horse right now. Yep. I'm hungrier than a Danubrian whore right now. (laughs) (laughs) A Danubrian slime whore? Yes. (laughs) So was there was there a sexual I mean obviously that's sort of how it looked, but really was there a sexual component to the to that relationship? I think so, yeah. I think it started off that way. Sort of the older woman that turned his head or Yeah, I think that was obvious. I, I don't know. Because... Like, I'm pretty sure he went to her apartment expecting to have sex with her. And then didn't expect all those uh, blankets and candles. No. Blankets and candles. She just opened up a bed, bath, and beyond right on the promenade. <laughs> well, it's nice because the beyond is literally right outside of the uh, the window. Yeah. W- wait, where's the beyond? Right there. Ooh. Where's the beyonder? Watch, it goes off. <laughs> <laughs> He's in the He's... bathroom. <laughs> Spider-Man's teaching him to pee. <laughs> With his crazy Jerry, Jerry curls. Right. <laughs> and his disco, his disco suit. Guys, that war was a secret. <laughs> <laughs> if it was a secret, why'd they make a sequel? A, se- a, secret, a secret sequel. Just because there's two secrets. Now. You can't have two secrets that are the same. <laughs> and, a, and a toy line and a multimedia like tie-in. Yeah. And Doctor Doom with a shield with his picture on it. <laughs> this is what I look like. <laughs> no, I, I always felt like the, the flag of, of Doctor Doom's country, which is either Latvia or Latveria, I always forget, uh, is just a picture of his face on a piece of cloth. <laughs> <laughs> with a thumbs up. Yeah. <laughs> and, you, and every now and then the flag is replaced with a, a picture of a Doom bot and nobody can tell the difference. <laughs> Yeah, just to keep people guessing. Yeah. Oh, oh and right. if you salute the Doombot, you're going to jail. <laughs> oh, right, Star Trek. Um, I don't know. Yes, half of it was good. Like, I mean, it, it seemed pretty obvious that there was supposed to be sort of a, a seductive quality to it, but I don't know. Like, it might that might have been in the acting. Like, I was kind of thinking about this. Like, we're all creeped out because Jake's got this thing for older women, particularly after that thing with his mother a couple weeks yeah. ago. Yeah. And it's like, but maybe not. Maybe it's really just supposed to be she, like, actually inspires him, and that's all it is. No, No. I just, the way her apartment is set up, like, you know, your mom's idea of seduction. Again, candles and blankets and soft lighting. See, I thought that could also be sort of a new agey, like, I've got a special technique to help your whatever like your chakra your chakras but she yeah. meets him and's like uh, come up to my place tonight it's that's yeah yeah and he was like oh fantastic and then he just yeah, get, no. then he gets bored and just writes all day <laughs> yeah that's how writing works <laughs> yeah you want to get laid you get frustrated and you write instead yeah we should know we're writers yeah, yeah. we're always writing shit and that's the thing the producers even say look we, we kind of messed up this story isn't great we should have known that only writers are fascinated by pe- watching people write and even writers aren't fascinated with that part of it I could definitely tell you that but I mean the, the idea of writing being this important and this powerful is, is really just the thing that writers buy into anyway yeah um, there's um you had a comment one of your notes that I actually really like this one feels like uh, an original series episode. It doesn't. They actually but said not that in a as good well. Way. Yeah, they said it, it. It ended up being sort of, a, of an original series. But I, like I said in my summary, it also felt a bit Voyager-y mm-hmm. just because of the pseudoscience of it. The fact yeah. that 
something in his brain is generating something that she can suck out and it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that you can eat creativity and suck it out like a vampire. Yeah. Just I can't believe Spock's been caught by this this creativity vampire. Bones, we've got to do something about that. That that's that's it, huh? Yeah, that's the entire episode. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Fair enough. And, and then a red shirt dies. It's called Spock's dandruff. Yes. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I just, I didn't love that. I, the thing is, I feel like they did Jake a real disservice by getting rid of Nog because Jake's solo stories have not been great. And I can think of a few coming up that are not going to be great either. And we really like See what? the character. We like the actor, but just, eh. I like, like, they basically looked at the, uh, the response that, uh, what was it? The visitor got. Yeah. And like, okay, and like, we need to, no, we need to work good. on we the, should the do writing. Some more, uh, we should do some more Jake stuff about his, uh, about his writing. That'll work out well, right? Yeah, let's have his creativity be eaten. That's the thing is, like, I what I like about this show is when you deal with character stuff, it's usually ground, like, the stuff that has to do with the characters themselves is usually grounded in reality. Mm-hmm. It's just then they're also dealing with some ridiculous thing. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like Jake can be a writer, and that's just a normal, relatable, everyday thing. Yeah. And then also he could be watching crazy whatever things happening on the station and writing about them. But once you bring, you know what I mean? Like, once you... Once you tie them up with the fantastic element, I think it, it loses something. Yeah. You sort of get away from it just being a... Th- like, the nice thing about him being a writer is that, it you know, it's not a Star Trek thing. You know, he's not it's not him being in Starfleet. It's, well, yeah, it's we talked a, about that in the, in the episode where he kind of outed himself as, Dad, I don't want to join Starfleet. I want to do this. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's for once we get to follow the ambition of someone who doesn't want to be like everybody else. Yeah, so drawing that into, you know, weird sci-fi... Yeah. stuff sort of takes Take, that away from him. Yeah, it takes away the, the normalness of it, I think. Um, but really, the the biggest problem I have with that plot, apart from the pseudoscience, apart from just the, the, the general whatever, is that it was very repetitive. It was, Jake's in danger, Jake's in danger, now Jake's not in danger. Well, like, yeah, essentially this, really... yeah, the same thing happened again and again. In fact, yeah. you could make do this in one scene, right. yeah. but they did it in and, several. Right. And that, that was really my, my thing is like the very first scene where she's kind of being a little seductive and it seems a little dangerous. Like this scene's just going to play itself out over and over and over again. Mm. And that's really it. No, it's just every time we check back in with him, it's just, up. Uh, Jake's still writing, getting his forehead rubbed. Well, and that really, that ties into my bad thing, which will then nicely segue to the, the other half of the episode, mm. which is not only was the Jake story dumb, but it was not integrated well with the other far superior plot. They didn't fit together at all. Like, yep. like they were just it was very jarring to switch back and forth the Loxana Odo thing just sort of ended about two thirds of the way through and they're like oh so now what's going on with Jake I guess it just it was very like sometimes they integrate those things well sometimes they're thematically connected or sometimes yeah. one plot directly affects the other and there was none of that here There, I was reading there was actually the original plan for this episode was gonna it was gonna be four separate stories about couples Right, which could be interesting. Yeah, and then they were like, okay, that's not really working. Let's hack out two of these. Mm. That might be a lot. But, I mean, really, they were about 50-50, like, screen time-wise. Yeah. Calling this the Muse, they could just as easily have given it a title that had something to do with the Luxana part of it. They were originally going to. Yeah. And, apparently, this that part of the story was pitched by Majel, which I thought mm-hmm. was cool. And it is, like, the first part of it is a bit of a cliche like oh now she's pregnant yeah I'm, i'd be more shocked if she wasn't pregnant right at this point yeah 
and and married again as as Matt pointed out she's the Selma Bouvier of, <laughs> of, of Star Trek Bouvier underdunk to Williger Nahaspium pedal on huts yeah Mr. Freeze Riker <laughs> he got really drunk oh wow yeah at his own wedding shockingly yep. enough doesn't regret it though <laughs> um. No, the the dude who played her husband was actually Michael Ansara, the guy who played Mister Freeze on Batman, and also um, uh, the one of the Klingons, one of the three. Yeah, yeah, I, um, I forget which one, but uh, yeah, from Blood Oath. <laughs> no. And only in this one, he's actually bald and pale, and like more like Mister Freeze than ever. Yeah, it's like as soon as you said, it's like Nora, of course. I've come for my wife, Lux Nora. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the thing is that that whole setup, that whole like. I'm pregnant, I'm running away from my husband, you need to marry me thing. That that could be such a, like, like early on in Luxana, that could have been a, a cheesy, sort of almost sitcom-y kind of plot, but mm-hmm. this character's come so far, like, and that's my good thing, is I just, I love their relationship. It's it's just amazing how far she's come from joke character who makes Picard feel uncomfortable to sad old woman who's the only person who kind of understands Odo. Yeah. And like I say, it could just be a, 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 a goofy, let's take Odo's dignity away, cliche sitcom plot, but it's really kind of touching. Mm-hmm. And I like it a lot. Uh, there's some really beautiful scenes in this. Yeah, well, there's one in particular that was your good thing, right? Yes, it was. Well spotted. Um, so Odo has his <clears throat> Odo has his speech at the wedding where he professes his love for Loxwana like right, so much their, Captain their Picard tradition. before him. Their tradition is that you have to get in front of all the people that are important in your life and convince them. Yeah, you got to prove your love. Right. I was watching, I'm like, man, I'm glad that we don't do that here. <laughs> Look, I love my wife. I do not want to write my own fucking vows, though. I'm not even prepared to say that first thing. Yeah. In front of people. They don't need to know that. <laughs> None of your fucking business. Yeah. But no, but it is It is. It's a, a really beautiful, really genuine scene. Yeah. But it's good and that uh, he, he starts off, you know, professing his love, but you can tell he's holding back, and then Mr. Freeze... Like calls him out on it, and then he sort of lets lets go. Right, and the thing is, you you believe it because it's true. Like Odo really has never connected with anyone the way he's connected with Luxana, which no, which is so weird for this character who was at best a, a one season, you know, one one appearance per season guest star on the other show. Yeah, that she's such an important part of his life. Like that's the thing; she shouldn't work over here now that uh, yeah. <clears throat> now that Deanna's gone. No, she, but she was a comedic foil for Deanna and for Picard. Yeah. She should, like, like the fact that she clicks with Odo so well, the fact that he smiles, like he's mm-hmm. laughing. He's, yeah. You never see him open up like this with anyone, even with Kira, who he's supposed yeah. to be in love with. No, that, that scene in his quarters where they're playing tag is really adorable. No, they're playing Changeling Hide and Seek, where he, yeah. he turns into something and she has to find him. Yeah. Which is just adorable in itself. And he doesn't but change no, into a mouse. <laughs> no, he doesn't. He's come so far. <laughs> yeah, now he can change into the surface of a thing and, like, not the actual thing, which is kind of cool, I guess. Um, but no, the, the the chemistry between the two actors and the way they're written and just, it's so, like, she, she retains that level of sort of tragic, like, this is something we pointed out in Late Next Gen, where we started to see sort of the dark side of, like, the reason she's so boisterous and, and so sort of almost obnoxious is just because she's covering up this this inner sadness. Mm-hmm. And I just I've always liked that about her and it just sort of extends to this. I like it yeah. a lot. And, no, it's uh, nice. And you know, that really sort of connects with Odo. 
Yeah. Absolutely. The loneliest man alive. Yeah, and the speech that he gives says, you know, she's really the only one who's ever understood me, and I truly believed that. It was mm -hmm. super sweet. Although, Gav, you said that it, it wasn't quite enough, right? Like, your bad thing? Yeah, I thought the, the end of that story was a bit of a cop-out, because the husband just accepts that he's never going to see his child ever again, just far too mm -hmm. easily, I thought. Um, you'd think he got a bit, would have got, like, a bit, a bit more annoyed. I think or, it's supposed to be that know. cliche of like, oh, you've won me over with the, with the trueness of your love. But but yeah, you're right. It's... No, it's uh, <clears throat> it's uh, th this episode would have benefited from being, you know, more of it. Yeah, all about that and none about the the muse. Well, you could have yeah. you could have one scene with the muse in the in the background. <laughs> yeah, they can make it, yeah, no, they can make it the uh, you know the D plot or something. <laughs> What well, uh, so far down that it actually appears in Voyager? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> no, we still have to watch Voyager. I'm I'm willing to loan uh, Jake to uh, to Voyager for a couple of weeks. It's not like he's ever on DS9. <laughs> yeah, that's no true. one would notice. Sarah <laughs> Clofton does not appear in this episode. Sarah Clofton does not appear in this series. Right. <laughs> um, but I mean the 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 scenes between the Luxana and Odo, just all of them are just so nice and they could have like there's so many ways they could have messed that up mm -hmm. and they didn't like there's there's so many sort of obvious things that they sort of i don't know they just they they give it this real it feels real yeah it's genuine and they execute it perfectly yeah it's just great and there's not a lot to talk about with it i don't think they're just no. very sweet scenes and like i love that you know she leaves because you know he doesn't love her yeah, that's and, the whole thing. Like he, he's asking—he's basically asking—he's like, "Stay, you know, you're like the only person I connect connect with, except for my good, great friend Quark." Right. <laughs> and you know? and she's like, "But you're not actually in love with me." He's, and like, he's like, "No, mm, you're, you're really in love with Kira." Well, yeah. Which is extra sad because Kira doesn't understand him the way that Luxana does. No. So that just makes it yeah, even worse. I just I go back to my I go back to the first time she showed up. I really like seeing these two crazy kids get together. Yeah, and the thing is, like, I don't know. Like, I I feel like they're they're similar, but they're not. I don't know. They're 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 incredibly different. Like, it's it's sort of the opposites attract thing, but they're mm -hmm. also there's also sort of an inherent similarity where they're both hiding this sort of just horrible emptiness. Yep. In different ways. Odo hides it by being sort of gruff, and she hides it just by being the crazy, fun-loving one. Mm -hmm. And I really like that. And I love the reveal in this. It's it's kind of subtle. They don't call a lot of attention to it. But the fact is, she was in love with Odo. He didn't reciprocate, so she ran off and kind of married the first guy she met after that. Yeah. You just have so, that good, news for, <laughs> good news for that kid, then. Yeah. <laughs> you mean Deanna's new brother? Oh, God, yeah. She's got to be, what, 40 at this point? Yep. Here's a new baby brother. What? Uh, another one. You know, I had a kid a couple of years ago, and it wasn't weird. No, not at all. I mean, it was weird for a lot of reasons, but not for me having the kid. No. But no, it was, I was also at the right age to have a kid. I also like that you mentioned Kestra, the uh, kid who died. Yeah, that was a nice callback. And yep. Before that, she didn't discuss it at all. That was that, what that Next Generation episode was about. But then she's mm -hmm. fine talking to Odo about it as well. Well, I think one, it's, I mean, on, a, on an obvious level, it's, oh, because we hadn't, we hadn't retconned that yet. <laughs> but it's more because after all that stuff happened in that episode, it kind of opened her up to 
to acknowledging it. But yeah, yeah. you're right that she's close enough with Odo that she would actually talk yeah. to him. Yeah. Right. And then she talked about Cyborg. <laughs> the brother that she's always had. <laughs> yep. Who says she hasn't? Uh-huh. Always been there. Yep. Cyborg. Just, just, just out of shot. Yep. Mm-hmm. He's standing next to Eddington. Right. How you doing, buddy? He would I'm, say. I'm pretty good. <laughs> he would say back. <laughs> this is already better than the, the, the A plot. <laughs> I agree. Oh, uh, Cisco takes a quick little vacation to the Bajoran Outback, apparently. Did it get a Bajoran Bloomin' Onion, I guess? <laughs> wow, a Bajoran Koala. Yep. I was just pleased. Basically the same. I was just pleased it wasn't the Gamma Quadrant. Well, yes. So were the, the, so were the, so were the Gamma Quadrant. It's like, you mean we're going on a vacation not to that place that's trying to kill us? Oh. What an idea! Let's just go to a place that's like Australia, which is also yeah. trying to kill us in a different way. Well, plus, keep in mind, it's space Australia. It's like they took the deadliest place on Earth and made it worse. Yep. Our scorpions are full of space venom. That's driving a truck. <laughs> is driving a truck worse? <laughs> yes. Alright. Well, if it's a space truck. No, fair enough. See, you didn't say space truck, so I wasn't sure. I guess you're right. I thought it was implied. Hmm. Uh, oh, uh, Luxana reveals that apparently when uh, uh, wow, I lost the word for betazoids for a minute there. <laughs> when they're pregnant, they can actually start sensing the, the thoughts of their unborn babies, which I think is kind of cool, actually. I think that's horrifying. Well, it is, but it's also like just, you know, from like it makes sense. It's one of those nice little details about a telepathic culture that you wouldn't really think about. But mm. yeah, once they start getting consciousness, you would be able to sense it. That's Kind of cool, I thought. I don't know. Nothing more to it. It's like, what the hell do babies think about? We don't get born soon. <laughs> Warm. Well, that's what she talks about. Like, that the, they're just so content. I'm going to emerge from the womb covered in coarse black hair. <laughs> what? That's a thing that the babies do sometimes. Oh. They don't talk about it much. Oh. Do the babies well, don't? Yeah, babies don't. No, the don't babies really don't talk about it that much. What is this baby conspiracy? Nobody's talking. <laughs> I'm going to blow the gates wide open on this. Roberto Orsi probably has it all to do with that conspiracy. Oh, probably. <laughs> uh, quick side note. <laughs> Did he's... you know the hairy babies control the media? <laughs> uh, quick side note. He's apparently trying to get Shatner in the third movie. Oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah. Well, Shatner's denied right. it. Oh, has he? Yeah. I didn't see that. I read the story and, earlier and in the week. And someone so. purporting to be Robert Roberto Orsi kind of denied it in a non-denial way. Oh well, let's let's hope that that's true. Because please, uh, let's let's move forward. Maybe please. We'll we'll probably talk about this more in the supplemental. But uh, damn it. Anyway. Well, that really ruined my day. Thanks. I I I put it on our Tumblr. You you might have missed it, but uh, I don't read things I didn't write. Oh, fair enough. Um, I don't read things I write. So, uh, <laughs> I don't read. Yeah, I can't read. Well, hell of a time to learn that now. <laughs> uh, anything else? Um, quick look at the old notes here. Okay. Um, I don't think so. Like, well, the uh, like Sorry. Gar no, no, go ahead, man. I was just going to say about the writing pad. That doesn't make any sense. That he's got some kind of nope. pen that writes font. 
Well, he's got like a stylus like the old PDAs had, but then it's perfect type. So. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. And he probably has to have a different one for each page. <laughs> the, I'm surprised um, when he came down to work orders to tell to show her story, his stories, he only came with uh, one pad. Right. I, this is just going to be a short story, like a one page. Mm. Yeah. I thought it was nice. And she makes him write with a pen and paper, and apparently he's not like, with paper? Why? Like, he's really <laughs> surprised, but then he just takes to it with perfect handwriting. Like, yep. What? Wow, huh? Well, cursive is still an incredibly important thing to teach in uh, in schools. Well, Keiko really hit that home because then then she did Japanese calligraphy. Oh God! Because of course she did. Uh huh. This week we're learning about Japan. How is that different from last week or next week or ever? Can we at least learn about Godzilla or something? No. I I'm Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> I'd right. pay good money to watch Keiko fight Mothra. <laughs> It'd at least be better than that last Godzilla movie. Fair enough. Piece of shit. You're still mad about that, huh? I'll always be mad about that. <laughs> All right. It's a Godzilla movie with Brian Cranston, Al. Yeah, I, and it was I know fucking what, garbage. I know what this. <laughs> We're still not talking about Star Trek. I liked the uh, the whenever Cisco read uh, Jake's story. I just expected him to say, I've read your story. Who's this character O'Connor, Jake? You must really hate him. <laughs> I mean, he just keeps getting tortured like once a year. What the hell? <laughs> I like when he's describing, he's like, yeah, the main character's mother died. Yeah, tell her about the next part where you go to an alternate reality where the main character's <laughs> mother's still alive and you're creepily having dinner with her. And then Anslem had sex with his mother. <laughs> Wait, really Anslem is the character's name? I guess. I did think that was a nice little callback, that that was the main novel that Tony Todd, old Jake, had written. Yeah. And this is the novel he's now writing. Yeah, it's supposed time. to be like the work he'll be working on for the rest of his life or whatever. Yeah, and we're in an alternate timeline that didn't happen exactly that way. So it might not be the same. Mm -hmm. But it's, you know, because I mean, the fact that he didn't have the defining tragedy of losing his father means it's probably a different story already. Yes, it's about a, it's about losing his mother. Right. And then, and then getting her back. Hopefully not having his mother. Yeah, that's kind of what they implied. Sure is. All right. Anything else? That's it, I think. Yeah, let's flee from this episode. I have a quote, which, unfortunately, about 50% of this quote is visual. Just imagine... imagine. Uh, let me paint the scene for you. Uh, Dax and Kira are in their ridiculous, like, medieval maiden outfits that they were wearing in Way of the Warrior. Uh, with, the, with the giant cone hats and so forth. Nice hat. Sitting there looking sad. Uh, Luxana's sitting at a table with them. Worf is sitting there, stock straight, staring ahead, just waiting for it to be over and miserable. It's like he's having Vietnam flashbacks or something. But throughout the entire scene, he doesn't say a word until the end of my quote, which is this. <clears throat> oh, no. Won't you join the party? Actually, I have some free time, and I was wondering if you wanted to take a walk. I would just delightful <laughs> i really enjoyed that all right so pressing forward to the far superior i had to look for the cause <laughs> i these fucking titles man for, yep. for because it doesn't it doesn't help that later without really spoiling anything there will be a sequel to some events of this episode called for the uniform 
which I often confuse this one with. Really? Yes. Yeah, yeah there's some of the plot threads in this will be picked up, and, and they call it almost the same thing. I mean, I knew there was a sequel, but... Uh... Yeah. But I'm not going to say to which parts, no. just to save people spoilers, but uh, no. it, it should be fairly obvious. Moving on. Yes. Gav, why don't you tell us what happens in For the Cause? I would deli- be delighted to. <laughs> the Cardassian government has asked for industrial strength replicators, but Starfleet must be very, very quiet, as the Maquis is about. Odo and Eddington, remember him? Tell Cisco his girl's no good for him, also she might be helping the Maquis, but mainly Yates is no good for him. Meanwhile, watching some future sport are none other than celebrity couple Bashir and Garrick. Bashrak? But, <laughs> oh, Garrick is more interested in Ducat's daughter. They chat and agree to meet up, leaving Julian jealous. Shouldn't have left him out, shouldn't have left, shouldn't have let him out for the evening, Julian. Suddenly, in Sisko's quarters, he tries subtly asking Yates where she's been in her ship, but Sisko's version of subtly is still on the beta. <laughs> Odo and Eddington try to search Yates' ship, but she runs to the captain and he folds like five bends in an alternative rock group. Eventually, after hilarious consequences, they get proof of smuggling food and medical supplies to the Maquis. Sisko is so upset he doesn't watch a baseball game. Mind you, he only had four hours free, so that's what, enough to watch half an inning? <laughs> the Defiant, with Sisko on board, follows Yates' ship to the Badlands, but it doesn't meet up with another ship. Eventually, they come to the realization that it was all a ruse to get Cisco away from the station, like they couldn't wait for the four times a week he goes to the Gamma Quadrant. Between whiles on DS9, Eddington takes command by force in another ruse to steal the replicators for the Maquis. Eddington even skypes up Cisco afterwards to gloat. Oh, and I guess Reyes is arrested at the end. Yeah, baseball sure is boring. <laughs> Take that, baseball. <laughs> I know. To be clear, this isn't just a British person saying baseball sucks. We're all saying that. No, it's a Canadian yes. person and an American person. Yeah, we, we all we all reach a consensus on yeah. this. And, of you, and, it's and I watched the game. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, I, I also <laughs> want to call special attention to your Ben Folds Five joke. That was that was some, <laughs> that was some great wordplay there. Quite nice. I should have worked in his name is Ben as well, but there we yeah, I, I, that's what I was thinking. Like, yeah, it's, it works because Benny. his name is Ben, but it's also yeah. It's okay. We can workshop it. Workshop it after the show's over. Yeah, we'll get Matt to punch it up. That's <laughs> what happens. Um, yeah, this this it's a Maquis episode, and my thought was, oh, oh good, but yeah, I, I quite liked it. Here we go. Yep. And I think the difference, Gav even said, oh, the Maquis, you hate them. And I said, no, no, the difference is when it has something to do with guys we care about, like when it actually impacts someone we know, like that's different than like presenting this side of these people I don't agree with and wanting us to to sympathize with them. Like I continue to refuse. These guys are straight up the bad guys in this. No question they're they're the enemy. And I, I that works for me. Yep. It also helped that you didn't really see the Maquis. Yeah, that's true. No. Except they were standing there the whole time. <laughs> or lying right next to you on a triangle pillow. Yes. Yes, which is my bad thing. The triangle pillow? <laughs> yes. It's the worst beds okay. ever. I, I imagine everyone on DS9 having very bad posture and sore backs from well, sleeping the thing on is, those things. No wonder they're the cranky all the time. been there for four years now, so this can't just be Cardassian beds. No. Like, at this point, Starfleet should have put in the patterns for better beds in the replicators, right? Yep. One one would assume. But, uh, nope, triangle pillows because of the future. Yeah. 
Actually, I can see Cisco getting, like, give me a Bajoran bed. I want to see how that works. Yeah. Well, a Bajoran bed is a rock surrounded by Cardassian gunfire. So. <laughs> okay, from from longer ago than 50 years. <laughs> a preoccupation Bajoran bed. Well, then it depends on what your cast is. If you're an artist, you get a good bed. Right. Son of a bitch. God damn it, Bajor. Oddly enough, the bed makers get the worst beds of all. <laughs> Get chucked off balconies. Yeah, their Dajaras are, are terrible. They, they, they have to sleep in a box. <laughs> like, like Garfield? So much and, get, and, get up an, and get up an hour before they go to bed. <laughs> Luxury. <laughs> of course, you try telling that to Cardassians and they don't believe you. Oh, come on. You have to do the Yorkshire accent if you're going to do it. <laughs> Never. <laughs> You've been there long enough. Come on. I could do uh, one at Crossbeans, gone at Skew on Treadle. There we go. There we are. It's, ah. it's like English guy was here. <laughs> <laughs> no, he would have. I, I I assume you watch a lot of these with him, correct? Like yes, I, I yes, he watches. He was yelling at the at the muse with its horrible abuses of science, right? Uh, no, he didn't actually. Oh, apparently there's room for muses in science. <laughs> apparently, could have fooled me. Who knew? Um, Gav. But yeah, to the bed to the bed point. Uh, I, I feel like whenever they try to future up a very everyday thing, they're usually not very good at it. Mm. Here's what people wear. That's terrible. Here's what people eat. That's terrible. I mean, I, I will say this. I think the stupid triangle pillows are a better uh, concept than the Enterprise's future shiny hologram beds and sheets and pillows. Oh, will they all sleep in a foil bag for cooking chicken in? Yeah, yeah, it's like, uh, I'm, I'm gonna crawl in this thing like so much potato. <laughs> this thing's full of delicious herbs. But that's just the same as uh, Superman's bed in the, in the oh, Fortress yeah. of Solitude. Oh, that's right. Yeah, but that that's just in case like... someone tries to microwave them. <laughs> that felt more like either the Kryptonian beds are weird or he has no concept of what Lois finds sexy. Or, or, or he couldn't find a blanket at the time, so he just used some tinfoil. Right. <laughs> no, I felt like he was really trying to impress Lois, and he's just really awkward and bad at it. I just picture Lois like, just, oh no, I was seduced from before. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't need a crazy sexy bed. Like the, the giant crystal palace did the job pretty well. Yeah, and the fact that you flew me here under your own power was pretty damn sexy. Can you read my mind? <laughs> No, stop! Stop asking me that. <laughs> Can you read my mind? Are you a are you a Betazoid child? <laughs> are you an angel? Ah. <laughs> uh. um. Ah. Ugh. So. <laughs> so this episode. All oh, right. We're really digressing a little more than usual. <laughs> I have Not only the... myself to blame. Not that that's a bad thing. It's just right now we're in the we're in sort of the golden era of Star Trek. We we should be talking about this because when we get to Voyager, we're really going to need all these other conversation topics. Voyage the Voyager episodes are just going to turn into early sarcastic Voyager, where it's just you and me talking about crap. And we ended up spinning off because we talked about Star Trek so much. Yeah, exactly. That's all this started in the first place. Ah. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> so okay. I, my my good thing is I really wish I didn't remember that Eddington betrays Cisco. Like I remember this from previous passes through the series, because mm -hmm. his plan is actually quite clever, and I probably wouldn't have seen a lot of it coming. No, I mean this episode does a great job of uh, casting the blame on Cassidy, and you know I mean she's got kind of a uh, like she's not Federation, she's not Starfleet, 
and she's she said stuff against the federation before and it's like hmm, maybe maybe that is what's going absolutely. on absolutely like it makes perfect sense that she would be the uh that she would be a traitor yeah and then the nice thing is there's a bit of sleight of hand where you think it's going to be the story of how cassidy betrays cisco and it's the story of how eddington betrays cisco but if this were like next gen and this isn't even a dig at next gen it's just because the shows have evolved and allowed more complex storytelling it's actually the story of both. Mm-hmm. It's not either or. It's not, no, it's not about Cassidy. It's about Eddington. No, they both betrayed him. Yeah. It's like a double gut punch. Different degrees, but... Uh... Like, this guy who is part of the same organization I am that stands for certain things and don't stab each other in the back, he just stabbed me in the back. Also, the first love of my life since my wife died is also stabbing me in the back <laughs> at the same time. Yes. Now, in Cassidy's defense, it's a slightly shorter, blunter knife, but... Uh... Yeah, and honestly, she's not... Marquis, she's just supplying the Marquis. Yeah, players. she just wants some money, man. She's just yeah. giving some plasters to them. Right, and the thing is, she's just giving them what, like uh, food, uh, medical supplies, right? Which is really humanitarian aid. Like that's yeah. not even that bad. But yeah, it's uh, boy. You know, Eddington has a point. The Federation really does have a hard on for the Maquis. Well, you know, they did okay. try to. They did offer them planets. Yep. I think I've maybe have pointed that out once or twice. I, I think it might have come up. I don't remember. That's the thing. Well, this, the nice thing I was going to say about the new Cardassian government, you know, it's more friendly. Yeah. Nowadays, you'd think there would be the Maquis would try and talk to them about, you know, selling off from the yeah from the offer them a settlement yeah. like here. Yeah. We'll we'll give you this territory we'll, back if you stop blowing up our stuff. Yeah. Cardassians <laughs> are, are like, no, no, we'll make peace with the Maquis, and the Federation's like, fuck those guys. Yeah. The Federation's like, if you want to ever have a treaty with us, you better keep fighting them. Wipe them out! Yeah. Yeah, and Cardassia is in really bad shape right now. Yeah, no, they could, uh, they could use yeah. their own food and medical supplies. <laughs> right. They could do with people not blowing up their stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's where these industrial replicators were supposed to go in the first place. Yeah. Like, th- to help, a- you know, ailing Cardassian colonies. Because the Klingons have been attacking them and so forth. So, yeah. Um... But no, I, I just, I like, I like how you think it's one story and it's another story. And I, I do wish, this is my bad thing. I remember getting to know Eddington a lot better before this happened because mm. my memory was that was a serious twist where a semi-beloved recurring character joins the Maquis, but I remembered wrong. But so apparently did everyone else I asked about this. Yeah, no, I felt the same way. Yeah, we all felt like, hey, Eddington is a big deal, but they barely ever established him at all. I feel like it would have been more powerful if they built him up a little more. But this this isn't really a bad thing about this episode. It's just a bad thing about my memory. So I don't <laughs> even know if it counts. I actually, I was thinking about this. The fact that he's more of a blank slate than we remember really almost makes this a little more shocking. Just because he's the last person we expect anything out of because he doesn't do anything. Well, And they play that up in this episode where it's obviously deliberate at work. He's... Mr. Bland guy. They're yeah. having sort of a, a spirited political discussion on the bridge of the Defiant. Like, I, I agree with the Maquis. I don't. I think they're cowards. Get, guess who said that part? <laughs> um, but, uh, and then Eddington's like, nope, don't have any opinion. Don't really think about it. And it's like, yeah, oh, yeah, you're that guy. Okay. Not my, none of my business. Yeah, and then he's the one that ends up being the Maquis. It's actually, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. You realize that a lot of that has been a front, that he's got passionate opinions that he keeps to himself. Mm-hmm. And I like that. He's a uh, he's a very regular karaoke singer, and it's just never come up before. He doesn't right. like to bring that stuff to work. 
No, and then he gets gets it up there and belts it the fuck out. Yeah. You're like, wow, I never would have imagined. He's the guy where after he goes on the killing spree, everyone at work is like, he was very quiet, kept to himself. Yeah. But, and that's the thing is when you get to that last scene, which, uh, Gav, I believe this was your quote, was it not? His, his big, like, yes. evil speech? Yes, his uh, quote about uh, the Federation being insidious. Mm-hmm. Right. Which, let's go ahead and play that here. We've never harmed you. And yet we're constantly arrested and charged with terrorism. Starships chase us through the Badlands, and our supporters are harassed and ridiculed. Why? Because we've left the Federation, and that's the one thing you can't accept. Nobody leaves Paradise. Everyone should want to be in the Federation. Hell, you even want the Cardassians to join. You're only sending them replicators because one day they can take their rightful place on the Federation Council. You know, in some ways, you're even worse than the Borg. At least they tell you about their plans for assimilation. You're more insidious. You assimilate people. And they don't even know it. Um, is very, like, he, he flips a switch, the actor does, and goes from being bland guy that you work with that you don't think of twice to properly almost over the top sinister guy and he does it really well yeah he does it's like, like all very of these, believable in that scene yeah all of these months of just like yes sir no sir keeping it myself yep. and then suddenly he just explodes it's really I you want to know what i think i think this yeah no ah. this is uh that was my good thing actually okay just i love i love him going on about you know you can there's some real bitterness in there that mm-hmm. i like about what the federation is and we almost never see that in star trek well, it feels like they started testing the waters with the the, the paradise on Earth changing yeah, exactly. paranoia. Like, maybe we don't have to hold true to Gene's perfect vision. Maybe we can have some people who are not happy about that. Yeah, exactly. And I like that. I mean, I still don't think the Maquis have anything to complain about, but I think he's got a point, and I've never thought that about the Maquis ever. And we we get we occasionally get correspondence. We get, we get mail or, or tweets or whatever from relatively new listeners who's like, "Why don't you like the Maquis?" In a nutshell, because the Federation offered them an easy way out and they chose not to take it. Mm. And because they are used in Next Gen, DS9, and Voyager, and it's not that big of a concept. Like, it's, no. it's just, they're not, it's not a good enough idea to really use across three series, I think. Yeah, and to be huge parts of two of those series. Like, I don't believe they came up much. Actually, no, that's not true. They were a huge part of Voyager for the beginning. Yeah, those guys are Maquis. Yeah. Like, half their crew it integrates with the other half, and they are, you know, Maquis. Yeah, yeah, I think that was why it was, they were created, wasn't it, for Voyager, basically? I believe so, and I believe... But then they th- co- these really guys... quickly forgot about it. Yeah. Well, I think it was supposed to be the story of how these not-super-friendly Starfleet guys integrate with these Starfleet guys, but they didn't do a lot of those stories, did they? No. Now I want to see uh, Arrested Development done in the style of Maquis. <laughs> That would make them more interesting, yes. This is the story of... (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, again, I just, I think we've come to this well to... I mean, we've told this particular story before. A guy that Cisco served with in Starfleet who has turned against him and has now become his enemy. We told that exact story in a two-parter, like, last year, two years ago, whatever it was. Still got those uniforms just waiting for him. Yeah, and and Eddington left his communicator behind and just... People are always just, like, stripping down before they leave. <laughs> the, the loss to property is, must be a huge room on Deep Space Nine. <laughs> <laughs> lost and found. You'd think so, but Quark owns the lost and found, so stuff doesn't tend to stay lost for very long. Yeah, Rom designed the lock for it. Uh-huh. So, yeah. so a lot of people lose uh, incense then, do they? 
<laughs> Constantly. Well, he sells it, I guess. Worf's been buying and using the same stick of incense for the past year. <laughs> Keep going? getting shorter every time. That's weird. Yeah, isn't it? I thought I lost this. <laughs> uh, Gav, what was your good thing? My good thing was uh, the Julian and Garrick scene that I talked about where they were watching the spring ball, I think it's called. Where mm. it's just okay. very much like uh, Julian's jealous of of, uh, of Garrick. Well, let, let's. I, mean, I think we've covered most of the main points of the Maquis thing. So yeah, let's definitely discuss this this whole Garrick Zial thing. That's where it starts. Yeah, is she's playing spring ball, or no? She's watching spring ball. Kira and somebody else. And, and yeah, there's. And this sort of ties into your bad thing, doesn't it, Matt? The, yes, it does. Garrick sort of leering at her. <laughs> I want to lay this right here on the table. Garrick checking out Zial is fucking gross. She's like 14 or 15, and he's like, what, 40-something? It's gross, and it's upsetting, and just fucking stop it, Garrick. Well, we don't know. We don't know either of those things, to be fair. You're assuming. I remember when she showed up being shocked at how... Because fr my first time through this, like, you know... His interest in her didn't bother me. Mm -hmm. um, but I seem to recall when she showed up the first time, they were very clear about her being his, Gal Dukat's very young daughter. Yeah, but I, I mean, I don't know. They didn't really say it in age, did they? I don't remember. I seem to remember thinking they did, but I could be wrong. And you're also assuming Garrick is 40, but he might not be. That, that is true. I am definitely assuming Garrick's 40 just because he looks like a 40-year-old man. Well, he does, and the actor playing him is probably at least forty. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like you, you, I'm not saying you're wrong. There is I a am, creepy vibe there. Basically, but. what I'm saying is, I don't think Garrick's a teenager. <laughs> I suppose you're probably right. I don't see him skateboarding around this house with the DS9 with a with a with a baseball hat on the wrong way around. Right, <laughs> that just drives Cisco nuts. That's not how you wear a baseball hat. <laughs> Shut up, old man. You don't tell me what to do. <laughs> you can't tell me what to do, old man. I'm going back to my tailor shop to tailor. Maybe it should be maybe it should be Dax doing the uh, telling him off, and then he can call her old man. <laughs> <laughs> also, I wrote a note uh, bringing the tailor thing. I was like, oh, right, I'm a tailor. <laughs> oh, yes, I own a tailor shop, don't I? I forgot about that. <laughs> oh, yeah. He does that actively when he's working on Quark's suit. Yes. Want to bring the pants up a little bit? Hmm? Oh, right, tailing. The thing I do. Tailing. <laughs> By what you mean chasing tail. Yes, exactly. Zial's tail. Okay, so, well, they are lizard people. They may have tails. That's true. They actually, like, they're the, the, the climax of this episode is them lying on a hot rock. <laughs> I actually think that their story, first of all, there's not really a huge sexual component to it. She just wants company. Like, yeah, no, if um, he if, plays it that way, yeah. absolutely. But, but she clearly it, it, basically it. If he had sort of like, if he had been the one to uh, ask her out, I think it would have been a lot worse. Yeah, but she is just like, look, I'm the only Cardassian here. I'm lonely. Tell me about home. Mm -hmm. Like that. That's supposed to be it. But no, the way Andrew Robinson plays it is clearly, and that goes back to your good thing, Gav. The 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 scene between him and Julian. Because Julian appears to pick up on some kind of vibe, too. He's like, stop looking at her. That's, that's just wrong. Don't do that. And it's the way he leers at her like she's so much a uh, young Cardassian boy. You'll recall. <laughs> I will recall. 
the thing is i refuse to believe that he like at at best he and bashir have been a thing and he's bisexual mm -hmm. but it's more likely he just wants to hate fuck his enemy's daughter that is that is my actual thought yeah that i can see it's really not interested in her. It's a way to get, to, and that, that's the Obsidian Order training. That's like, there's a way to get to your enemy here. In fact, he'll probably yeah, get, this will uh, come in handy. He'll, he'll get uh, Zial to wear a good Ducat mask as well while he's hate-fucking her. <laughs> <laughs> this is a little weird, uh, Garrick. Not as weird as that crap that Cisco boy's been up to. <laughs> now here, put on your Tony Wonder mask and I'll put on your <laughs> <laughs> Same! <laughs> It's um, but I don't know. I like okay, putting but putting aside the, the the creepiness of it, which is a matter of interpretation, maybe. I don't know. I think there are sweet elements to it, like the way he sort of slowly makes an advance, testing the water, seeing if it's okay. It's kind of cute. I like it. Well, they both must be lonely as well. That is yeah, true. Exactly. And we just, know, we like we've seen that from Garrett before. Yeah. He just he doesn't have any other Cardassians to talk to. Yeah. And, you know, she's still only half Cardassian, but it's something. There's, there's only so many lunches you can go to with Julian. Right. Well, no, now he's got so breakfast he with Odo. Fill... Breakfast yeah. with Odo sounds like a TV show. <laughs> and I said, what about breakfast with Odo? <laughs> and so now he's got someone to have dinners with. So, so his yep. meals are all set. <laughs> I don't get a second of myself anymore. What the hell happened to my life? <laughs> I don't have any room for any time for tailing. Tailing. <laughs> tailing. Um, which tailing. is a real thing that people do. Yeah. <laughs> um, We're tailors on the moon. Oh no. No. <laughs> I, this is one of those cases where the B story had absolutely nothing to do with the A story and it was fine. Like, mm -hmm. unlike in the previous episode where they really weren't integrated well, this was just, I think because the B story felt firmly B story, it it was just, it wasn't all that important. It was kind of advancing something that we might come back to. Yeah, exactly. That didn't really bother me. But there, Which, and there wasn't much know. to it either, like no. like the other one. I think it's just That's the what I'm characters were actually, yeah. it was more character based than the other one. And that's when this story does A story, B story well, I think, is then. Yeah. Is either when they're connected or when the B story is just a cute, small, little, like, O'Brien's got a dart streak going. Or, you know, yeah. this. Like, just a, just a small thing. There's a scene where Kira, like, <laughs> pushes Garrick up against the wall and, like, you don't date my friend! And he's like, well, that's when I knew it was okay to date her friend. <laughs> oh, Garrick. Oh, Kirk, you're such a cunt. You scamped. Yep. Damn it, stop that. <laughs> what else? Anything? Um. What about the uh, Cisco trying to leave with... Oh, really with, 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 oh uh, yeah, that was such a... That was powerful. The last moment, like right before she leaves on this mission that he knows they're going to have to catch her and arrest her for, he's like, mm. why don't we just go? Just you, go away. You and me, right now. We'll go to Ryza together. We'll have a... It'll be a spur-of-the-moment moment romantic fling. Yeah, and I feel like that's from something. I feel like I've seen that in something else before. It might be an homage or something. Yeah. The, the, the couple that's forced apart by something and one of them trying to desperately get the other one away from the danger without yeah, directly telling them. And... Pl pl please come with me. Yeah, come on. Let's just... And, and she kind of hints to... that she knows... Yeah what's going on too and she kind of says I have to do this 
and it's it's sweet. I like it. I like. Yeah. This is probably the most I've liked Cassidy in an episode. Like her Absolutely. principles. Like I don't agree with the Maquis thing, but just the fact that she won't fall in line with what Ben's into, and the fact that at the end she presents herself to be arrested. Like, well, if this is what I got to do for us to stay together, I guess yeah. I'm going to jail for a yeah, little it's, while. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. And she's like, "I'll be back." And mm-hmm. she just goes, "No, it's actually the death penalty." <laughs> Okay, maybe not. <laughs> it's this and going to the uh, the planet where we left Captain Pike. Those are the yeah. only two things. Probably shouldn't have uh, delivered all of those uh, food and uh, medical supplies to that planet. The, yeah. or, 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 with Captain Pike. Yes. It's like I didn't want to, but he beeped, he begged me. He was like, doot. I was waiting for another doot. That would mean he wasn't begging her. Oh, right. Good point. I do like the gradual, like, Cisco's knee-jerk reaction is, no, I'm not going to, like, put surveillance on Cassidy. Absolutely not. And then almost immediately he's like, all right, find a reason. And then he's, like, actively joining in. Like, you can see him backsliding. Yeah. He's like, I absolutely don't want them to harass my girlfriend. On the other hand, I need to be absolutely sure, like, that they're not right. Because Odo's a damn good cop. And if he thinks something's up, there's probably something up. No, a lot of this episode is kind of just Cisco sort of twisting in the wind. Yeah, and grad, like denying, it really deny or anger, uh, anger acceptance. Like mm-hmm. he he's, he doesn't want to believe it. Then he's really pissed off, and then he's yeah. like, oh, "All right, <laughs> like, it's kind of nice." Even and at one point, Dax even tries to talk to him about it, and he's like, "Nope, go away." Yep. Go nope. Like the last person he wants to admit that a woman got over on him to is is to the old man. Yeah. Like just no. Walk away. Which is too bad, because that could have been a nice scene, too. But, yeah. But I understand it character-wise. Mm-hmm. I could actually see giving up a scene that would actually be pretty good just in favor of this. Like, because this is how Cisco's dealing with this right now. Yeah. Denial. Yeah, denial and not talking to anyone. Right. And being subtle? <laughs> well, as, as Gav said, not really. No. So, you're going through the Badlands, huh? Any particular reason? I mean, you know, if you were a traitor, it, it would look really bad if you stopped at this place. Yeah, but I won't stop at that place. Right! Of course you wouldn't. Ah, uh, who wants food? Who wants food? Now, do you want uh, Bajoran food or Maquis food? <laughs> <laughs> well played. <laughs> All right, anything else? Uh... Not really. Mm. Just the, 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 I was just going to mention. You know this. They they have in TV shows normally where. Uh, well, there was a scene in this where Cisco was facing away from uh, Eddington and Odo, but still talking to them. And I was just thinking, do people in real life ever talk that way? Because <laughs> he's just facing out the window talking to him, and you yeah. expect Odo to say, "What? I can't hear you." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sir. Could you talk to me? Please. He does that. He has to do that, Mister Fantastic thing with his ear, where he makes it stretch over uh. here. <laughs> right. You know, it's very rude, Captain. All you need to do is turn around. Maybe he's autistic and he can't make eye contact. Every now and then, you fall apart. <laughs> that that ear thing with uh, the Mister Fantastic thing really turns uh, Quark on. <laughs> <laughs> Look at those ears. Look at the lobes on that guy. I can make him as big as you want, Quark. Are are there gay Ferengi? We talked about this. There probably are. 
Oh yeah, they're yeah, probably yeah, right. the best business partners ever. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> especially given their attitude towards females, and they're all out there, like yeah. you know, at sea with men for a long period of time. We know mm -hmm. how that works. Oh yeah. So yeah. All right. Anything else? No. Uh, no. All right. Well, Gav, I've been uh, running the uh, fantastic, uh, professional-sounding ads that you've done for your uh, for your podcast recently. But now yes. you have a chance to tell the people yourself what what's it all about. It's drunken time travel is uh, post atomic horror, but Doctor Who, and it's awesome. And, and with beer. I'm um, with beer. Got yes. to remember the beer. Drunk yeah. drunken time travel dot com. Actually, which post-atomic horror had beer, but it's pretty early. I, you, you can beer if you like. <laughs> yeah, I will. I'm not saying... I, I certainly have not imposed a no-beer rule. We do have Gavon frequently. <laughs> also, we have begun plotting our annual, now annual, uh, crossover event with, yep. with the Gavs. Uh, once a year, we try to get together toward the end of the year and do something that combines our interests or is, is sort of tangential to both our interests and... Uh, this year, Matt came up with a real doozy. So. Yeah, if you'll recall, I think we mentioned it on last year's. We, we may have done, but for those just joining us, or for those who don't forget, I, it, it'll be a fun surprise. Yeah. But uh, that'll be that'll be toward the end of this year, there'll be a Drunken Time Travel post-atomic horror crossover with the four of us. And yep. those are always a tremendous amount of fun. So look forward they to They are indeed. Yes. Although they do go on for several days. <laughs> yes. yes, they do. Back when I was recording in my soundproof closet at my old house, I was in there for five and a half hours. It's well, uh, that was a post-atomic horror, and then that, wasn't it? And yeah, you yeah, were I in think the you guys, <laughs> I, I, so, I yeah. think we might have been recording you guys' clusterfuck segment at that point, too. Oh, yeah. It could be. As many podcasts just, as we could. I just remember coming out of there and just being drenched in sweat and <gasps> just laughing. Wait, it's night now? Yeah. I lost right. a whole day. <laughs> Uh, as ever, postatomichorror.com, postatomichorror at gmail. Uh, two more episodes to the end, uh, two more episodes for us, four more episodes of the show uh, to the end of season four. So if you have questions you want us to answer about DS9 mm -hmm. or anything else, send them to us and we will answer them. Some people have taken to commenting uh, on the the, uh, the website. That's also fun, a good way to, to ask us questions if you don't want to be bothered with sending email or whatever. Yeah. Got a couple of uh, comments on, on there that we'll answer on our next supplemental show. So look forward to that. Yep. And that's all, Matt. Say the thing. See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2014. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.